you're interested in leadership and you want to lead as your most authentic self, this is the podcast for you. This is a show that breaks down the concept that leadership is complicated. Well, I'm going to let you in on a secret. It's not. I believe that it's an exchange of energy between two people. I want to create conversations for emerging and experienced leaders to come together and discover a new way to lead from the inside out. You already have everything that you need to be an exceptional leader. What we will uncover is the power of human connection and understanding how we are hardwired to seek out a true sense of belonging. So come join me. Let's create a community of leaders that are ready to challenge the status quo and who value human connections more than bottom lines. Hi everybody, it's Michelle. Welcome back to another episode of the Lead From Within podcast. In today's episode, I wanted to talk a little bit about believing that things can be better. And in order to do that, looking at things from a different perspective. So I'll tell you why I came up with this and why I wanted to talk about it as one of the first episodes of this podcast is because as I kind of mentioned before, I think that it's important that we always go back to our why and why do we do things and and uh, what is the intention that we want to get? What what are our hopes and our dreams for every action we take? And I think that to start off this podcast without explaining that I really believe that we have made leadership way more complicated than it needs to be. And I think that the current way that we're supporting leaders and hiring leaders and telling leaders that the emotional aspects of being a leader and connecting with people that are we typically call soft skills are either not important or if you display those too often it's a sign of weakness and I don't agree with that and and I don't want to continue to perpetuate that cycle of that type of leadership and so for me I wanted to really talk about why I think it's so important that we start looking at things from a different way. But this is going to be a real stretch for people. This is going to really cause people to look at things in a completely different light. And I'm hoping that I can break things down a little bit in a way that will help people not feel like we've gone really to the far end of the whole woo-woo and that there's still a lot of evidence-based practice in the leadership approach that I resonate with and I find most authentic for myself and I'm hearing from other leaders also resonates with them. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about that today so that we're starting at the very beginning and then all of the conversations that we have and we develop together moving forward will, will be from that foundation. So I think I'll just start off by just acknowledging that your time and energy are the two greatest gifts. And I want to thank you for both of those and for being with me today. And as always, I promise to do my very best to take this time that you've given me in a way that uh, will provide thoughts or comments or suggestions or quotes that will be meaningful for you so that you always walk away from this with something that didn't make you feel like you lost 30 minutes of your life 
um, or makes you not want to come back and listen to more. What I thought that, you know, I would kind of start off with today is really just talking about leadership and energy. And there it is. The woo-woo's out of the bag and we're talking about it. But it's not really woo-woo because I'm a nurse. And so I do look at things very scientifically. And there needs to be some scientific evidence often for me to buy into something. And when I started down this road of this style of leadership, initially, I didn't understand why I was being drawn to it. And the more research that I did, the more I realized that our human body is comprised mostly of water. And we know that water is uh, can deliver electrical charges, and it's a it's an electricity source. And so it's it's not a stretch then to say that leadership is an exchange of energy between two people. And really, that's the way I define my leadership style is that I have an exchange of energy between myself and another person or group of people. And what my energy is telling people in terms of the level of the energy that I bring is going to immediately impact on the engagement that I have with that person or persons. So leadership has a lot to do with vision. And as leaders, we should always be reaching for the highest branch that we can see. But what I want to try to do is show you a branch that's just slightly above that and feels a bit awkward, but still in alignment. And these are the pieces that I'm talking about today. And here's the other thing. I want to do a whole separate episode on your story and your voice being unique and the whole imposter syndrome and all of those pieces. But what I want to start off by saying today is that as a leader, we are all unique. We're human beings. We have fingerprints that are different than every other person on the planet. And there are people that are waiting for you right now, whether it's in your current place of work or a place that you'll be ending up in in the future that are waiting for you. They're waiting for you to show up to be their person so that they can feel empowered and safe and valued. So your voice, your actions, your words, they all matter. You will have a very different imprint than anyone else will. So even though we're all learning or we've all learned the same different types of leadership models in the past, how you take that information and then implement it in your own unique way is going to resonate very differently with people in different ways. And the thing that was really hard for me to learn at the beginning, and it's the same with being a business owner, is that when you try to be everything to everyone, you end up being nothing to no one. It's not going to land with everybody in terms of what I'm saying. And I need to be okay with that because I'm not here for those people. I'm here for the people that think like me and know that there's a better way than what we're doing right now and that we can create leaders that are more focused on taking care of people and connecting with people and having that be the approach rather than looking at everything from just simply a business model or budget lines. So 
When I started kind of down this journey of figuring this leadership style through, and it really happened for me very organically because I've always been very people-centric and I get very attached to people. I said that in the last episode. Uh, And that's what makes me a very loyal employee when I was being hired by companies because I would get so attached to the people that I never wanted to leave. And I think that, you know, we, we always naturally look for evidence that what we believe is true. And I believe that we've been told that leadership is way more difficult than it needs to be. I don't think that it needs to be a specific model that has specific skills and attributes that you must have to be a wonderful leader or a process necessarily that you have to follow step by step to become a leadership that leaves a legacy. That's just really complicated to me and seems very limiting. And I think that can be really scary for people who maybe don't possess all of those to think, well, I I can't be a great leader because I don't possess certain skills. I'm arguing that human relationships can be complicated, for sure. But we're all hardwired to connect. And on that basis, leadership isn't that difficult. I have an entire bookshelf right beside me in my home office uh, that is full of leadership books. And I love them all. And I've read most of them. And I found really useful points in almost all of those as well. But I feel like those have been books that I have read and absorbed and I've taken away key concepts from or seen where those leadership approaches have direct connections with other leadership approaches and found the common denominator between those. And what I found is that more often than not, the common denominator is that when you make people feel valued, seen, and heard, you've basically found the secret sauce. So you're going to hear me say this over and over and over and over and over again, is that When you change your energy, things will start to change for you in a positive way. So when I say that, I mean when you change your energy to positive energy, you call in things that are also positive. I've seen the phrase a lot of different places for a lot of, you know, different companies and consultants and life coaches that say, um, change your energy, change your life. And and again, I, I, those are not my words, but I do believe in the idea that if you feel more positive and you approach things from a more positive mindset, that you do call in positive outcomes. So going back to what I said about creating relationships and the exchange of energy is that meaningful relationships is an exchange of energy. Because when you have the right energy, you then have the power to have incredible influence of others. It's a a hidden secret. We all know what it's like when someone walks in a room and for whatever reason, they just catch the attention of everybody. There's just this energy about them, this presence that they have, and you immediately feel drawn and you're like, oh, who's that person? I want to get to know that person better. That's what I mean when I talk about having incredible influence. I don't mean it in a negative way. I mean that people are drawn to people that have that type of energy. 
the other thing that I believe is true is, and I learned this from working with First Nations communities, well, not worth, I should say alongside First Nations communities here in British Columbia, is that it's really important that we always look at leadership from a strengths-based perspective. So the strength that we have in ourselves, but also the strength of others. When we're focusing on people that are doing well and how we can help them grow stronger or strengthen skills to use in other areas, then that is a more positive way of looking at how we help support and lead others than when we're focusing only on areas that need to be improved. One of the things I'm hoping to always do in these podcasts is to leave you with some things to think about and possibly some calls to action in terms of things that you can go away with and think or do or apply. And so there's kind of seven things that I want you to think about today. And I, when I was thinking about how I was going to present this, because I really am not ever going to be reading off of a script. That just doesn't feel natural for me. I've never done a podcast. I don't know how to do this right. But I really feel like for me to be able to be authentic and show up and do this the way I'm supposed to do it and in in my voice and in my own way is to really do it from a place that is um, thoughtful but is spontaneous in that I'm not scripting and not allowing things to come in in the moment. But I did take these seven points down because I wanted to be really clear and specific and I also didn't want to be like five episodes from now saying oh remember when I told you those well I've kind of thought about it and now I think you should add these the first thing that I want you to do if you're not already clear from a leadership perspective is be clear on your purpose so who are you serving and why who are those people and why are you there you also need to be present and authentic and ask for questions, and don't be afraid to ask for help. We're going to talk about this as a whole nother topic about leaders who think that they always need to have the answers to every question people have, or they can't admit when they don't know something, and that's absolutely not true and not accurate. And I think that when you are a leader that tells people that you have worries and concerns like everybody else, and that you don't always have the answers to every question, it makes you very relatable to people and also makes them actually trust you more because they think that you are being very transparent and you are being transparent with them, but you're also help not helping, you're having them help you figure out the path forward to the solution to potentially a problem or a situation. Which brings me to my next comment, which is letting other people lead. It's a great gift to allow somebody else to lead or to show you that what their secret sauce is, what their superpower is, what they're really good at. None of us, I think, you generally come from a place of wanting to be boastful, like, oh, look at me, look at all the things I can do. But I think that there's a part of us at the core that also likes to be recognized for the things that we know we do really well. And that can be a real gift to say to someone who sees you as a leader, show me how to, how to do what you do. Teach me how to do what you do. And then the last one is to take action. And this one's always really important because for me as a leader, I think that this is where a lot of things die on the vine is when you are trying to improve engagement 
in your workplace as a leader and you're trying to do all the right things and asking people for opinions and having them see themselves as part of the bigger picture and you ask for their opinion on things and then nothing changes or they see no action happen, you end up just getting caught in this circle of of um, people not wanting to engage and, and not seeing the credibility in the work that you're trying to do because they don't see that there's any action that's being taken. You know, I think that one's just really important. <clears throat> so one of the things that I would suggest that you might try to do if you're not doing this already, and and I started doing this, gosh, maybe almost a year ago. And let's be real, life has not been overly stable in the last two years for all of us. And I and I think despite the fact that many of us were working from home for periods of time and our routines changed and maybe that brought us you know, closer to home to ourselves and we started to prioritize what was really important in our life, there's still been challenges. And I think that for a lot of uh, people who ended up becoming a homeschooling parent or a daycare um, in their own home could be really difficult to find time for themselves and self-care. And this is a huge piece that I focus on with the leaders that I work with is around valuing the importance of self-care and doing small things to help you understand the value of your worth and the importance of self-care without feeling guilty about doing that. So I would suggest that if you can find just five minutes a day to journal, that will start the process of you being able to start asking yourself some of these questions that are going to potentially come up and then being able to really dig deep on some things that you'll be amazed when you start writing. Sometimes things just come up and out and um, it's amazing what when I go back and I look at some of my journals, what I wrote and I have no idea where it came from. So that could be something you, you start journaling on, you know, be, what's your purpose? And, and that can be just for yourself, but also looking at it from a leader. So like I said, maximum of five minutes a day. But here's one thing that if you don't want to journal on your purpose or you already know what your purpose is, here's one journaling prompt that you can try if you are so inclined to do so. What would it feel like to have a job that I love? Now that's a loaded question. <laughs> so give it a whirl and see what comes up for you. And I would love to hear any feedbacks or, or feedbacks, feedback or comments that you have. Um, you can always leave comments uh, at the end of these episodes, but you can also find me on Instagram. And I also have a free Facebook group that you can just go over and join. I'm not asking for your email to join. I just want to create a space and a circle for leaders to continue having conversations together. And we're going to grow that out. It's a small group right now. I think there's only about 25 people in it. I'm not embarrassed to tell you that. I'm not going to pretend to be something that I'm not. Uh, but those 25 people are 25 people that are, you know, there to support and hold up other people who think just like them. And I'm going to talk about that in a little bit around uh, something that I heard Patrice Washington talk about. So, you know, go ahead and, and try journaling and see what comes up for you. Because here's another thing to think about. 
journaling's not that comfortable for a lot of people. I get it. They kind of sometimes, I think, put it into this category of like meditation and journaling and again, all the woo-woo things. And I'm still learning how to meditate. It's not easy for me some days because I think too much. I get caught in my thoughts. And so learning how to uh, allow those thoughts to come in and just release them for what they are is very difficult for me. But here's what I'm learning and doing some of these things that don't feel natural for me is that when I step out of my comfort zone, that's where real growth is happening because there's no transformation without a transaction. And that's a Patrice Washington quote that just came into my head after just saying, I'm going to tell you another story about him, her. You know when growth is happening, when you are feeling some resistance. And that's a good thing. Okay, so let's go on and talk a little bit about the law of attraction. Because this is what I've learned from the law of attraction. If you believe it, it's going to happen. Because neuroscientists have shown, there's evidence to show this, that your mind can't tell the difference between the conscious and subconscious thoughts. So for an example, when have you ever had a dream where you feel like it's just, it's like, it's real. Like you wake up feeling like you question whether or not that was a dream or not. That's because your brain can't tell the difference between the conscious and the unconscious or subconscious thoughts. So when you can really feel something, you can see yourself in a place, you can smell what's around you, it's as good as being true. And this is why so many people that are successful swear about meditation because when they can get in a meditative state or they do vision boards or goal boards, and they can actually see themselves in that location. They can see things around them. They can manifest those things because their brain actually already thinks that it's happened. But the catch is that you have to believe it or you can't manifest it. And this is where I get hung up when I try to incorporate this in leadership, particularly with C-suite leaders because this is not something that is widely accepted in corporations and organizations that I've worked with where manifesting something is is seen as a leadership style or technique that would have outcomes that organizations are interested in hearing about. When you are able to manifest things, then you um you you raise your energy. And like attracts like. So if you have a low vibration, you know, on the days, like I, I say this the best, uh, the example that I used is, is with my dogs. And when I am taking them for a walk, um, you know, let's just say I'm walking at night because this has happened before. If I'm walking them at night and someone is approaching me in the dark, I'm typically not a nervous person. I'm cautious and I try to be safe, but I'm not like a nervous Nelly. But if I move away from the person approaching, I have a dog who is very reactive. He's a rescue from Taiwan. He was badly abused as a puppy before we got him. He has post-traumatic stress disorder and he has a lot of triggers. And one of them is strangers who are approaching at night uh, that he doesn't recognize their scent. And if they're tall and they're a male and they're wearing a hat, that's just trigger on top of trigger on top of trigger. So I will typically move away. And I often don't feel that I'm doing this, but if I pull up on that leash a little bit too tightly, 
he picks up on the energy that I'm concerned and worried. And so he then becomes far more reactive than he needs to be. And it's because he's picking up on my energy. And I think dogs do that better than humans do. So that's why I use that example. But you have the power to lift people up to an energy that matches yours when you're leading authentically because it feels good. You feel like you're in your skin, that you are showing up for people as the best version of yourself and and knowing that there's no pressure to be perfect, there's no pressure to be all things to all people allows you to come from a place of higher energy and um, just meet people where they're at. So here's the thing. I believe that being who you want to be is unbecoming all the things that are not you. The things that you've changed for other people to be liked or to conform and doing all of the things for all of the people, this means that you've just stopped listening to your own intuition and what you really want to do. There's a quote that uh, I think Brony Ware, who is the author of the book, The 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 wishes of the dying i didn't get that title right and i should because i've read the book so i apologize to bronyware if you're ever listening to this uh i she says that the number one regret of the dying in her research is that people said that they lived the life that others wanted for them and not the life they wanted for themselves for me that was a mic drop because I am a people pleaser. I will do things because I know they make other people happy, even if I know that it's not necessarily serving me. And this has been a difficult challenge for me to work through. And it's something I worked through as I started teaching about self-care to leaders and, and knowing their worth and the people pleasing tendencies that come up with that. And so I'm gonna do a whole nother episode on that, so stay tuned. One of the things that you can do, if you don't want to journal on the previous comment, here's another thing you can try journaling on. We talk about perfectionism. And there's a term in um, Japanese, and I apologize to anyone who might be listening to this if I don't say it correctly, um, but I believe the pronunciation is kintsugi, which means golden joinery. And I learned this term when I was learning about the ikigai, which is um, the core of knowing what you're good at and what people want and how you can get paid for doing those things. And I learned about kintsugi during my learning about ikigai. And in, in Japanese culture, what they will do is they will take a vase that's broken and they repair it with gold because it's believed that the cracks and the flaws make it more valuable. And by doing that, it highlights all of the flaws and imperfections, which makes it more beautiful to the viewer. And the reason I mention this is because when we talk about perfectionism, I think that it can be really limiting for you to be able to move into a leadership style that feels authentic to you because you start worrying about, well, what will other people think? People are going to think I'm too woo-woo. People are going to think that I've lost my mind. And all of these things that we tell ourselves that when we start to believe it, we think it's true, but it's not. It's a narrative that we've created. And so what you can try journaling on and see what comes up for you is... 
if I didn't have to be perfect, I'd be. And you can just narrate on that. You can create a list of things that come up for you. You can do it any way you want. But I think it's important to do some of these exercises because it reveals unique parts of you that you might have forgotten about. Things that bring you passion and it allows you the opportunity to rediscover those and bring those into how you lead others. So for example, when I said earlier, why do I lead in the way that I do and who am I leading? Well, I keep a picture of my seven-year-old, seven-year-old self on my desk to remind myself of my why. And the why is, is that I grew up as an only child in a single parent home with a mother who always told me that I could be anything I wanted to be. And I have a photo of myself at seven that reminds me that at that point in time, I thought that I could do anything and be anything I wanted to be. And so on the days that I'm feeling that I can't be that, I look at her and it reminds me of why I fight through the days that are a little bit harder. And I surrender to that because I realize that when I surrender, it's not giving up. It's just letting go of what I think I have to have control of as a perfectionist. And when I can just loosen the grip a little bit sometimes, I realize that there's often really great things that will flow in from that. So I'm going to wrap things up because I promised that I would keep these to about 30 minutes and I, I want to stay true to that format that I've created. So I'm going to give you one other journaling exercise that if you want to try it, you can. What's one thing that you love about your job? That's hard, but I think that, you know, a lot of people that I work with really struggle with um, figuring out what it is that they love about what they do and and we just need to go back to that and really remind ourselves what it is that we loved about our job. I think that one of the things that I want people to leave with is that I always ask people to look at making really small changes in their leadership approach rather than trying to make very large and grand because small pivots is where you can really get specific and focus your energy and look at things from just a slightly different way that make it a little less scary, a little less harder, and a little sometimes more open to consider incorporating that. I heard this analogy years ago, and I don't know who it was that told me this, but it stuck with me. And they had said that if you turn a ship two degrees and it's out at sea, it's going to end up in a totally different place. And I don't know if that's true or not, but what I took from that is that by making small shifts, you can lead in a very different way that will take you in a completely different direction. So one of the things that I want to leave you with last is a story that I heard not that long ago that um, was really, well, two of them, because I promised you I would tell you the one story about Patrice Washington. So the first story about Patrice Washington, I was listening to her speak, um, and she talked about the power of one. She was talking about when she first started her blog, she had no followers, she had um, lost kind of her financial um, empire that she had and literally couldn't pay to keep the lights on and started blogging and thought it was really ridiculous because after a few months realized that her family wasn't even reading her blog and she thought, 
Why am I spending my time and energy writing a blog? Nobody's reading this. My family doesn't even care. I need to get a job and actually start bringing an income for my family. Uh, We have no money. And she received an email from a complete stranger not long after she um, was thinking these thoughts. And this gentleman had said to her, hi, you don't know me, but I've really enjoyed reading your blog over the last several months. And I noticed that you haven't posted in quite some time. And I just wanted to reach out and tell you that I hope you're okay, but I hope you start writing again because I really enjoyed reading your blog posts and there was a lot of value in those. And she jokes to go on to say that she's kept this email. She has no idea whatever happened to this gentleman. She never had the opportunity to meet him, but it is a philosophy and a value that she's carried with her now into her current business. Uh, And it's that you always have to be looking at uh, the power of an audience of one. And so as leaders, as I said earlier about my Facebook page, and it only has 25 people, those 25 people are more important to me than 150 people in that group who are only there because, I don't know, they're there and they don't really ever engage or don't want to create a community and don't align with my values. This one man was the only person that made her continue to do what she was doing. And because of that email, she said, I owe him my current life because had I not got that email, I would have stopped and I would have never recreated myself. And so it really made me realize that we only need to be focused on the power of the audience of one and only worrying about the changes that we can make for the people that are in front of us in that moment and showing up as the best version of ourselves for them each time. So the last story that I wanted to leave you with was uh, the story that I heard about Martin Luther King Jr. and the I Have a Dream speech. And I did not know the backstory to this. I'm Canadian, but I don't know that there's very many people on the planet that don't know the I have a dream speech and so but what I didn't know the backstory of that was that when he got up on stage and he looked out out at the crowd and allowed himself to um, just be in that moment he had completely scripted that speech obviously he had practiced it for months and knew it off by heart and it was very very scripted But in that moment, he looked out at that crowd knowing that he may never have another opportunity to speak to that crowd. And he allowed himself to be vulnerable and in the moment spoke from his heart and not from the script. And he said, I have a dream. It's so simple. And it came from his heart. And do you know that that is the only part of that entire speech that wasn't scripted that he said in the moment, and if you ask anyone, that's the part that they know the best. That's the most impact. And why I share that is because when you have an open heart and you show that you're courageous and willing to be vulnerable, this is what makes a great leader. So by simply by listening to my voice today and just considering leadership from a different context and that you know, energy and journaling and focusing on self and really knowing your why and your core values can help 
you as a leader show up better for other people and hold space better for other people shows that you're being courageous and vulnerable. And that just in itself is going to make you a better leader. So I will leave you with that. I am so excited for future episodes and I hope that you continue to join me and stick with me. I hope you have a wonderful day wherever you are and I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to the Lead From Within podcast. For more information on leadership, employee engagement, and self-care, you can follow me on Instagram, Curis Consulting. Curis is spelt C-U-R-I-S. So that's Curis underscore consulting. Click on the link tree link at the top of my bio for a free discovery call with me and to get some free downloads. You can also join the Lead From Within Facebook group or you can visit my website at www.curisconsulting.ca. If you feel inspired to, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment. Your support is greatly appreciated. Thanks again for tuning in and see you in the next episode.